We are in week four of this series talking about identity and who we are in Christ. And uh, to get things started this morning, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. You don't have to answer out loud. You can just kind of think about it for yourself. Um, and I'll, I'm going to actually give you a couple of seconds to, to really just kind of think through the two questions that I'm about to ask you. And the first question, I'll just ask them one right after the other, and then I'll give you some time to think about it. Uh, the first question is this. What is your favorite movie slash story? Okay, so what is your favorite movie slash story? And the second question is why? All right, so just think about that for a little bit. Favorite movie slash story and why? I would guess, you know, if we went around the room today, um, everybody, or not everybody, but there would be a whole lot of different ways that people would answer that question, what's your favorite movie story? Um, and I would guess that even for the movie or slash story that we pick that's the same as someone else in this room, the reason why we like it would probably be different for a lot of us. Um, and just think about that now, though that movie slash story that's your favorite um, and why, I would venture to guess that there's two main things that make that movie, or reasons why that movie is your favorite movie or your favorite story. And I just want to talk about those two things real quick, because that kind of gets us to where we're going today. Um, the two things that um, make a movie or a story favorite, or, or the greatest movie we think in our minds, the first thing is, is the characters, right? Um, a movie, a story, it has particular certain characters um, that we... We identify well with them, we can relate with them, we can kind of put ourselves into their shoes, and for whatever the reason, we just kind of get drawn into that particular character or some characters in the movie, and so we like it because of that. But that's not the only reason that we like a movie. There's also this thing called the storyline or the plot, you know, just this this story that kind of goes throughout the movie that just kind of draws us in. There's something about it. There's something intriguing. There's just something about that storyline that as we, as we start watching it and as we start reading it, it just kind of keeps drawing us in further and further. And we just want to know, how does this thing turn out in the end? All right? So there's character that draws us in, and there's plot that draws us in. Now, in this series that we've been talking about for the last three weeks, we've been talking a lot about character, right? We've been talking about identifiers or labels that God puts on us um, as his children. Uh, going back three weeks ago when we started this series, the first label that we put on us, that God puts on us, is that we are chosen. And what we meant by that was that on the basis of God's love, not on the basis of who you are, not on the basis of your life, not on the basis of what you've done or haven't done, God has chosen you on the basis of his love to be a part of his family. And so you are chosen by God to be a part of his family. And uh, two weeks ago, as we continued, we looked at this idea that another label that God puts on us is priests. And what that word means um, for us today is that we have a special, unique relationship with God. It means that we can go directly to God with our fears and our trials, and we can talk to him in prayer, and God answers us in prayer. And then last week, as we um, kind of kept going, uh, we talked this, about this idea that we are brides. Now, that made some of us um, uh, of one persuasion a little bit uncomfortable to talk and label ourselves as brides. Uh, but what Pastor Ben meant by that is that when God looks at us, 
despite our sinfulness, despite the things that we've done in our lives, when God looks at us, he has the same joy and love as a groom looking at his bride because of God's great love for us. And that's who we are. And all of those things, if we can kind of sum all three of those up, those are kind of all labels that are specific to you. And they're about you. And as I mentioned before, now what Peter's doing in these verses that we're looking at from 1 Peter chapter 2, what, Jesus, what Peter kind of does is he takes these labels and he says, you are this and you are this and you are this and because you are, this is what your life is going to look like. Because this is the character of who you are in Christ, this is going to be the storyline of your life. And just like we mentioned before, both are important, character and storyline, right? I mean, let me give you an example. Um, if, if you don't have both, character and storyline, you really don't have a movie and you don't have a good story, do you? Um, maybe you've seen the movie The Shawshank Redemption. Um, if you have, you'll understand this. But if Andy Dufresne, if the point of that movie was that Andy Dufresne just really wanted to get out of a meeting that was running long, I don't think anybody would care about that movie. Great character, terrible storyline. If Rocky Balboa, if the point of those movies, if, if Rocky Balboa simply wanted to win an arm wrestling match, I don't think people would care. If Juliet does not fall in love with Romeo, you don't have a movie. If, if Rudy ran the winning touchdown in a Little League football game, I don't think anybody would shed any tears at the last scene when they carry him off the field, right? It's character and it's storyline. We've been talking about character. We've been talking about the way God identifies us and labels us. And now as we transition, we're going to talk about what's the storyline of our lives. And uh, to just take us back to the verses that are kind of the basis for this whole series, um, 1 Peter chapter 2 we're just going to look at verse 9 real quick here. Um, but this has kind of been the basis of where we're going. Peter writes and he says, You are, you, you guys here today, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That, all right? That's the big transition here. You are this, and you are this, and you are this, and you are this. Why? For this reason. That, so that, it's a result clause. Let me tell you why. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Why is it such a big deal that you are a chosen people? It means that you're a part of God's family and that you are meant to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Why is it a big deal that you are a priest? Because you can go directly to your heavenly father and talk to him and share with him your concerns and that you can declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. You are a bride. You are loved by your heavenly father. And that's a big deal for you. And it's also a big deal that you go out and declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's character. And it's the storyline of your life. Every life is a story. Your life, I mean, think about that. From the time that you were born till this moment right now, your life has been an unfolding story. And from this point on, or from this point right now, until that last point of your life, it's going to be, continue to be a story that is unfolding. 
And the question that I want you to ask yourself today is what is the storyline of your life? Up until this point right now, what has been the storyline of your life? Can you hit number one for me? <laughs> number one. There we go. Thank you. Um, every life is a story. And there is a storyline going through your life. And not to, not to sound morbid or anything like that, but at the end of your life, someone's going to tell your story. Now, I'm not talking about, like, um, the History Channel making some kind of documentary and putting it on TV. I'm not talking about somebody writing a biography. That could happen to one of you here today. Um, probably not, but it could happen. Uh, but somebody, somehow, the story of your life is going to be told someday as a synopsis. And the question that we want to know and the question that we want to answer for ourselves today is what has been and what is the story, the synopsis of my life? And what's the synopsis of the storyline of your life up until this point right now? And if you think about that, we still have a chance right now to change what has been the storyline of our lives or to improve upon what has been the storyline of our lives. And through God's help today, and as we look at some verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to see what God's storyline is for our lives. That we can live up to the storyline that God has for us, okay? So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing. He's going to be talking about a variety of different things here, and he's really getting at the storyline of our lives. And I just want to ask you or share with you um, kind of a definition for a great story, okay? A great story, I would say, a great story is when a character wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. I mean, think about any great movie or any great story that you've read, and I think that theme comes true. There is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. God has an amazing story. In fact, God has the greatest story, as we're going to see in these verses in just a minute. God has the greatest story because there is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to begin at verse 14. Apostle Paul is writing, and he says this, talking about the storyline of our lives here. He says, for Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us forward in the storyline of our lives. What should be the thing that compels us forward in the storyline of our lives? Christ's love. Think about that. How often in our lives isn't the compelling thing in our lives far less than the love of Christ? I mean, the thing that right, oftentimes compels my life is a to-do list for the day. You know, you get up in the morning and I've got this to-do list to do. The thing that, that compels the, us forward in our lives, it's so often, it's so often um, just common. It's so often just ordinary. It's so often just insignificant. The thing that really pushes us forward in life. And so right off the, the bat here, Paul says that the thing that should be compelling our lives forward is the love of Christ, Christ's love for us. Because it's part of the greatest story that's ever been told. He goes on and he says, For Christ's love compels us 
because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Talking about Jesus being the one died. And verse 15, and he, Jesus, died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. All right? So the compelling force in our lives is the love of Christ. What's the love of Christ? The love of Christ is that he would come into this world, a character who wants something. God wants a relationship with us. God wants to restore us. God wants to forgive us. God wants to redeem us. God wants to spend eternity with you. We have a character who wants something. And he overcomes conflict to get it. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. Jesus coming into this world, not to live for himself, not to, not to, you know, trumpet some cause, some worldly cause, but to come into this world to die for the sins of the world. He died for all. He died for you. And on the cross, Jesus overcomes conflict. And he was raised to life again, and his sacrifice in your place takes away the penalty of sin in your life. His sacrifice in your place redeems you, restores you, forgives you, brings eternity to you. And it's the greatest story that's ever been told. And Paul says that needs to be the compelling, motivating factor in our lives, that God so loved the world, that God loves people just like us, and not just people like us. God likes people, God loves people that aren't like us too. God loves people that aren't here this morning too. And that needs to be the compelling force as we go forward in life, that God loves people, that Jesus died for all people. And we take that and we go forward in our lives. Verse 16, this is now what this is going to look like in our lives. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. A worldly point of view. You know what that is? That's when somebody at your work looks at you one of two ways. They either look at you as someone that's going to help their agenda, and so they try to use you, or they look at you as someone who's going to hurt their agenda, and so they try to dismiss you or get you out of the way, right? And the truth is, we do that to people too, right? We're going along, and we've got something we want to get done, and somebody kind of gets in our way, and it's like, eh, don't got time for you. You're kind of getting in my way here. You're messing with my stuff, and I'm going to kind of keep going forward. Or, right, we need somebody. We need help with something. We need somebody to help us out, do something at work or at home, and so they can be a benefit to us. That's kind of looking at people from a worldly point of view. Do they help my agenda, or do they get in the way of my agenda? And I'm going to treat them based upon those two criteria. The love of Christ compels us to treat people like people. The love of Christ compels us to look at the people in our lives as real people who have real needs, who have real concerns, who have real challenges, just like we do. The love of Christ compels us to look at people and to love them the way that Jesus loves them. To be concerned about them the way that Jesus is concerned about us. And to share with them the love of Christ that we have already in our lives. 
And so we don't look at them with a worldly point of view. We look at them through the eyes of Christ. And we see value in the people in our lives. Why? Because Jesus values them. Because Jesus wants to forgive them. Because Jesus wants to spend eternity with them too. So that's the motivating force of the storyline of our lives. Um, Though, continuing in verse 16, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we just kind of looked at Christ, can he help me out here? Or is he, you know, just getting in the way, messing with my stuff? Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, what are we talking about in this series? Identity, who you are in Christ. You are in Christ. That means that your identity has changed. There was an old way, and now there's a new way. There was a way that you used to live your life, and there's a new way that God has called us to live our lives. There was an old way where we lived according to the kind of the standards of this world. There was an old way when the compelling force in our lives was that new car. There was an old way when that compelling force in our lives was a bigger home or a new job or a vacation. And we allowed those things to be the motivating factors of our lives. Does that still happen sometimes? It does. But we've been called to live a new way. And by God's power, by Christ living in us, we can live according to the new way that God has called us to. And that is to have the love of Christ be the compelling force of the storyline of our lives and to love people the way that God loves them. Going on, verse 18. All this is from God, right? Sometimes we look at our lives and we think, man, I just can't do this. I know what I'm supposed to be. I know that new way, and I just can't do this. You know what? Stop looking at yourself, because you're not the power. You're not the force. All of this is from God. Look to him. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. All right, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Reconciled means that you've got to change status. Your life has been changed. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, gave who? Gave us the message of the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he, God, has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You are Christ's ambassador. And I know we don't maybe use that term all that much. It's not a very, I mean, we use it, but it's not all that common. You know, an ambassador is a, is a highly um, important official that has great honor and responsibility to go out and represent the person who sent them. You have been sent out by Christ to represent that means that your life is hugely significant. It means that your life right now has so much value because God has a reason for you to be here. 
that you declare the praises of him that called you out of darkness. That's what an ambassador does. Declare the praises of who? Declare the praises of him. That's your role. That's your job here on earth, and that's my job too. Now, it's not just standing up in front and putting a mic on and talking to crowds of people. That's not what it simply means to be an ambassador of Christ. That's not simply what it means to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness. It means the life that we live, your life and the storyline of your life, your life is a sermon. As you love the people around you, as you are concerned about the people around you, as you share with the people around you the hope that you have, your life is a sermon. Now, there are two reasons, I think, two main reasons why we struggle to be what God has called us to be and to do what God has called us to do. And I just want to quickly address those two things and then we'll be done. First reason why I think we struggle to be what God has called us to be and to do what God has called us to do is because we think that we are not qualified for the task at hand. We look at our lives and we think somebody else can say that better than I can. Somebody else can do that better than I can. Somebody else can can love somebody better than I can. And so what do we do? We talk ourselves out of what God has called us to be. We dismiss ourselves. Did you notice what Paul said is the qualifier or the qualification to be an ambassador of Christ? He gave one qualification in order to be an ambassador of Christ. Do you know what it is? Christ living in you. It's the one qualification to be an ambassador of Christ. Christ lives in you. You, you are an ambassador of Christ. But I can't do this. I can't do that. Or somebody else could do it better. You know what my response to you is today? If that's kind of what you're thinking right now, that me, why me, I can't do that. You know what my response will be today? Cancel the audition. You've already got the part. You are an ambassador of Christ. Stop. (laughs) Cancel the audition. There's no trying out here. You are. Why? Because God said you are. Because you are in Christ. And so whenever we catch ourselves thinking, well, somebody else, I'll let somebody else take care of that. I'll let somebody else share that. I'll let somebody else love that person over there because they can do it better or I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. Cancel the audition because you've already got the part. And let the love that Christ has for you be the compelling force in your life to love the people in your life. Second reason why we um, get confused or we struggle being what God has called us to be and doing what God has called us to do. Second reason, um, I'll share an example from my life, and I'm kind of going out on a limb here, and the only reason I'm going out on a limb is because none of you all can talk um, right now, at least that's not the way it usually works, and so I'm the only one that can go out on the limb here, but when I was a child... There were times in my life, and maybe you can identify with this, there were times in my life when we would be playing a game or we would be imagining something, and uh, I was always the hero. 
right? Whenever it got to the bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, we're down by three, full count, I always hit the grand slam. I always came through. I never struck out, right? Um, I was always the hero of the story. Whenever there was like um, a tenth of a second left on the clock and we were down by two, you know, I was out there and I shot and made the, the winning shot for the game. And I, I always won. I was always the hero of the story, right? We like to be the center of the story. We like to be the main character. And one of the reasons, the other reason why we struggle to be what God has called us to do, to be, and to do what God has called us to do, the other reason we struggle is because we cast ourselves as the main character in the story. And we get it wrong because we're not the main character. We declare the praises of You know how important that is to cast the right main character? I mean, Hollywood movies, million-dollar movies, are made or or they lose on this whole idea of who's the main character. I think, and you can disagree with me on this. This is not biblical. um, Just don't disagree with me right now. That would be awkward. Um, I think that Macaulay Culkin played a great main character for the movie Home Alone. I think he would have been a terrible main character for the movie Gladiator. And I think that Russell Crowe would have been a terrible main character for the movie Home Alone. Right? Nobody would be in suspense if Russell Crowe was left home alone. (laughs) Having the right main character makes the story great. There is a main character in the story of our lives, and it's Jesus. And we get to play the supporting role of pointing people to Jesus. That's our job. Your life, my life, is hugely significant because Jesus works through us. So you are significant. Every moment of your life matters. Every detail of your life is sacred to God. And you are totally insignificant. And so am I. Because it is not about us. We point people to Jesus. You matter. Your life matters as you point people to the love of God of Christ. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us purpose and meaning in our lives. It is truly remarkable that you choose to use us, choose to use our lives in your great story. Forgive us for the times that we have gone off on a tangent and tried to live for our own glory. Help us to remember that you are the creator, you are the redeemer, you are the savior of the world. And help us to live lives that point people to Jesus. May the love of Christ be the compelling force in our lives as we daily live for you. Heavenly Father, we also thank you for the gift of faith that you will work in William Fong's heart uh, in our second service today. We thank you that you brought him safely into this world and ask that you would be with Jack and Devon as they raise him up to trust in his Savior, Jesus. And uh, Lord, we also join together in the prayer you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. 